Hello again, HPR. I had such a good time recording the other two podcasts this morning that I thought while my son was taking a nap, I would try to record one more, see if I could sneak it in. Um, I This one sort of hit me as inspiration struck. It's not really technology related. Uh, it's more about a lack thereof. I was in the backyard hanging clothes on the clothesline, and I thought I would talk a little bit about modern inconveniences. I like to do things in manual operations. I don't always like to have modern machines and computers do things for me. There's something cathartic about doing things with your own hands, and uh, I think too few people spend enough time doing manual processes these days. Everything's automatic. Everything happens uh, for us. It's rare to find people that are self-sufficient, and it's been nice to hear some of the podcasts here where people were talking about how to be self-sufficient and how to do different things. Uh, some that come to mind is the television antenna one and uh, the campfire. Although I know the discussion about the campfire was more about social anxiety, I learned a lot about self-sufficiency in that. So... I thought I would talk about a random assortment of things that I do that are manual processes or that uh, unchain me a little bit from commercial things uh, to some degree. A better way to put it is probably save a little money by putting in a little extra effort. So first, to talk a little bit about what inspired this podcast was my clothesline. Um, We always had a clothesline in the backyard when I was growing up, and just about every house on the street had a clothesline and I know in a lot of countries clotheslines are still a common thing and at least in my neck of the woods here in Arkansas in the United States it is a very uncommon thing to see them and uh, the clotheslines around here have recently been taken down in my neighborhood and one day I randomly decided to line dry a pair of pants on a whim and hung them from my son's playset in the backyard, and when I retrieved them, I forgot how much I like line-dried clothes. They're often kind of stiff, and uh, they have a very distinct odor that I quite like, and um, thought that I would invest in a clothesline. So, I went shopping around, and there's several options that can be had very inexpensively. You don't have to hang anything permanent. I mean, really, any uh, line that is not metal, which will rust, of course, and impart rust into your clothing, and not under solid cotton, uh, because then uh, it may never dry and it will deteriorate quickly, but uh, any plastic-coated metal, or excuse me, plastic-coated line strung between two objects will be great for hanging your clothes. Uh, But there's several styles you can purchase. You can just buy some clothesline and hang some stakes, or there's an umbrella style. Uh, The option I went with is a uh, retractable clothesline uh, mounted on one side of my home, and I just placed a hook in my son's playset, and I hang the clothing between the garage and his playset. I also have a collapsible indoor rack that's quite nice, and a great benefit of that is that in the uh, winter, if you hang at least one load of laundry once in a while in your home, it will help with the humidity quite a bit. won't be so dry in the home. couple little tips, I guess, on hanging your laundry. Uh, you may want to use some fabric softener in the wash because your clothing will come out quite stiff. Um, I find that it's best to hang as early in the morning as possible. Um, 
uh, some people have their thoughts on direct sunlight. I don't have a lot of choice as to where I placed my lines. So for part of the day it's in direct sunlight, part of the day it's not. Clearly the drier and hotter the day, the better the clothing will dry. Um, but you can dry in almost any temperature. I stop around 30 to 40 degrees. At that point, it's not going to do you any good. Uh, it'll take far too long to dry, and your clothing will probably freeze. Um, we've been drying our clothes on the line all summer long because, ironically enough, as soon as my retractable line came in, our dryer broke. Uh, and I have just simply not taken the time to fix it uh, because we have the clothesline, and it's working quite well. And eventually I will buy a belt and and fix the thing. But for now, we'll continue to line dry my clothing. A um, couple more tips on that. Uh, hang your clothing upside down. So hang your shirts by the portion that's nearest your waist. And then hang your pants by their legs. The We tend to have heavier materials toward the top of our clothing. And uh, when that is mostly exposed to the wind and not clipped against the line, it will dry quickly. You also avoid having marks from the clothespins. Uh, the clothespins, uh, if you hang it by the shoulders or by the belt loops, they will, of course, get stretched out. Um, speaking of clothespins, any old clothespins will do. I like to use wooden ones. Uh, I like to use wooden ones with a spring. I don't like to use the wooden ones that are simply a dowel with a with a groove in them. Um, don't leave your... Don't leave your clothespins on the line. Uh, if you leave them on there, they're prone to rotting and they'll deteriorate your line. And it's it's also a little uncouth to leave your uh, clothes hanging on the line. Uh, or leave your clothespins hanging on the line. If you are worried about people seeing your unmentionables, um, the best way to handle that is invest in three clotheslines. Run them parallel to one another. Hang your normal clothing and bedding on the exterior clotheslines and then hang your undergarments on the middle clothesline and then the neighbors won't know what you're wearing under your clothing. Uh, the added benefit of that is you have more space to hang more stuff. Um, a trick to conserve clothespins is to use um, essentially one clothespin per pair of things. So if you're hanging a pair of pants and then a shirt beside it, you would clip one leg to the line, clip another leg to the line, so two clothespins on that one uh, pair of pants. Then um, take your shirt and unclip one of the legs and clip both the shirt and the leg together. And then apply a clip to or a clothespin to the other side of the shirt so that you are using uh, one clothespin between two items. Um, this will allow you to conserve at least one clothespin per item. And if you're like me and don't have a lot of clothespins, this is a very handy technique. Um, another technique is if you have a huge pile of laundry, you can do what's crowding. You can crowd the, the clothing rather than pulling them tight uh, and stretching them out on the line. Uh, allow the top of each item, the top which would be the bottom if you're hanging them upside down, to droop a bit uh, just so that the fabric doesn't touch other bits of fabric. Um, and that will give you a few inches of space between and you can get a few extra things up on your line. Um, talking about laundry uh, brings me into... I like to make a few things uh, around the house to save a little bit of money. And one of those things we make is laundry soap. Um, I also like to make my own deodorant and I make my own mouthwash. 
um, the laundry soap is a pretty simple concept. Um, detergent is generally uh, added, as I understand it, for a foaming agent. And most uh, detergents that you purchase, uh, there's even detergent in toothpaste, which is causing it to foam up. We like we, to feel clean when we have a, a foam of soap, so uh, or it helps us feel clean, so it's added. It also gives you a visual cue for how much soap you've added to something uh, or how you're cleaning something. But I find that most commercial laundry soaps uh, are full of water if they're liquid and full of all kinds of fillers if they happen to be powdered. So we happen to make our own powdered laundry soap. It's quite simple. We do equal parts of borax and washing soda. Now, washing soda is not baking soda. Baking soda is sodium bicarbonate, and I believe that washing soda is sodium carbonate. Uh, coincidentally, you can make your own washing soda by baking baking soda in your oven. I'm sure a quick internet search will show you that, but we just like to buy a big box of it. Once you have those two things, then you will need a soap of some kind. Um, I tend to clean myself with a... Uh, I use Castile soap as both a shampoo and a uh, bar soap. Uh, so we take a little bit of Castile soap, considering it's nothing but some oils. Uh, we will grate up uh, Castile soap and put just enough in there for cleaning. You're clearly going to have substantially more borax and washing soda than you have of actual soap. And my wife likes to purchase, um, uh, I don't even know what you would call them, a brand called Purex. I'm not affiliated with them. They have these uh, washing crystals that simply impart odors into the clothing, uh, pleasant odors. Uh, and she likes to throw a little bit of that in there. And we find that by, uh, we only use about a tablespoon to two tablespoons of this soap per load. Clothes come out very clean. Uh, we're using substantially less soap, uh, and so we come out quite ahead on money. Um, washing soda and borax is is inexpensive. Castile soap is generally inexpensive. The most expensive part is the uh, the uh, the scented crystals that are placed in there, and um, we save a lot of money. And one of the buckets that we make will last us for months and months versus weeks and weeks. Um, so I mentioned also that I make my own deodorant. This came about because I was looking for my spray antiperspirant deodorant in bulk one day and found a can of it uh, on, an, uh, on an online retailer and there were comments. So one of the comments was from a gentleman talking about um, aluminum and deodorant giving you cancer or some other carcinogen persisting and that he makes his own deodorant, and I thought that was a pretty interesting idea. I was not so concerned about the cancer portion, uh, but the concept of making making my own deodorant really appealed to me, so I looked up his recipe, and after some trial and error, I settled on making my own deodorant and antiperspirant. Uh, I did this for cost saving, not for any health reasons, um, but it's it's worked out quite well, so my recipe for uh, homemade deodorant and antiperspirant is uh, two parts baking soda to one part arrowroot. Um, arrowroot can be had at most any store. Uh, I know definitely health food stores. I imagine you can probably find it in big box stores. If you can't find arrowroot, cornstarch will do in a pinch. 
um, I find that the texture of arrowroot is more desirable than that of cornstarch. Um, so there you go, two parts baking soda, one part arrowroot, uh, apply it liberally under the arms. has absolutely no odor to it, and you will be left without odor too. If you want to have a pleasant scent other than your own natural scent, uh, you know, apply some cologne. You can also, I've heard that you can mix that with uh, coconut oil uh, and form a paste and then put your favorite essential oil in there to provide a scent to it. Um, I also mentioned that I make my own mouthwash. I'm uh, really big fan of the flavor of cloves and um, opted to produce a uh, my own mouthwash because I was looking for clove mouthwash and the only clove mouthwash that I found was very expensive. It was about $8 for a 12-ounce bottle and so... I began to look around and try to find ways to make my own mouthwash. There are some advocates that feel that xylitol has some of the same properties as fluoride and it may be better for you, um, but the common ingredient in everything that I found happened to be, yet again, baking soda. So I figured my toothpaste has enough fluoride in it. If that is a dental requirement, I ought to be getting enough for that, so I shouldn't care much if my um, mouthwash has fluoride in it as well. I imagine anything extra is just uh, superfluous at that point. So uh, after some trial and error, I came up with my own mouthwash recipe uh, based on several recipes, and it wound up being pretty nice. Uh, doesn't have quite the punch of Listerine or one of the other heavier uh, mouthwashes because it has no alcohol in it, save for what is in the extracts. So the recipe I use um, is I take about a, I've got a, and, uh, excuse me, about a, uh, 12 ounce mason jar and I place in it, uh, roughly a tablespoon of baking soda. And then I place roughly a tablespoon of xylitol in it. Um, and then I have clove extract. I place, uh, four good, uh, I guess uh, squirts, for lack of a better word, of um, clove extract in it, so it probably amounts to a teaspoon of clove extract. And then I top it off with cold filtered water. Shake it up, and I have mouthwash to last me for several weeks for very, very inexpensive cost. If you don't care for clove, you can put peppermint oil in there or uh, any other extract that you like. And it's, it's quite inexpensive. The baking soda is abrasive and will help clean your teeth. The xylitol, apparently, if you believe the reports, will carry the same properties as fluoride. Again, I am not a doctor or a dentist, so I can't verify any of that. Um, but it'll generally leave your mouth feeling fresh and clean, and you can flavor it as you like and save money in the process. So, uh, going from cleaning my clothing and cleaning myself, moving into cleaning my house. Um, we have a young child. Uh, he's, he's almost three years old. And he always wants to help out with the cleaning in the house. And we had many, many um, toxic substances under the sink. I'm not opposed to common household cleaning products, but I didn't want my son using them. So um, I found that uh, with some simple ingredients, you can clean almost anything. So for us, we use baking soda to, as an abrasive substance. A little bit of baking soda and water will clean our cast iron tub quite well. It will clean most counters, removing stains, removing um, uh, any buildup on them. Find that vinegar makes a wonderful 
window cleaner and it's also great for washing your floors. Vinegar by itself smells pretty terrible. So um, often if I am mopping my floors with vinegar and hot water, I will add a little bit of lemon juice to it. So uh, if I need a disinfectant, then I generally keep bleach around. But since we've been doing this, I've been purchasing white distilled vinegar, baking soda, and lemon juice in bulk in large quantities. It's very inexpensive and it has replaced 90% of my uh, cleaning supplies. And the bonus is that my son can clean with it and he really loves to clean the house. So he feels like he's part of the family unit and uh, he's definitely helping out and enjoying himself. So after we've had a good time cleaning the house, it's time to relax. So this section is probably a little less put together compared to the rest of this podcast, but I wanted to talk about a few things that I think people do not really focus on much anymore, and it's sad. Um, namely, public resources for things. Um, I find that, you know, we have Barney the feral, the neighborhood feral cat talking to us again. I guess he's interested in public services. At any rate, um, I mentioned previously the podcast about television antennas. There, In most places, there is a bevy of channels that you can access for free that often are provided as a service to the public. All you need is a television antenna. Um, if you enjoy making things, please listen to the episode on antenna making. Otherwise, go out. You can purchase inexpensive antennas. These days, they're not eyesores. Um, you don't have to have a giant antenna mounted on your roof. There are several options. I have a small indoor HD antenna. It's just a little black square that I set up near a window. Uh, guests don't ever notice it. We cut the cable, as it were, several, several years ago and have relied on Internet streaming services for some time. Um, I don't really watch much television, but I found that we were able to cut out some of those services simply by... Uh, putting up an antenna um, and my my wife and son can watch all kinds of things that they enjoy. The only downside is it does bring advertising into the home. If you don't like that sort of thing, uh, you'll have to limit your time with it. Uh, along the lines of television is the radio. I, I really, I, and maybe it's my location, I may be ignorant, but um, I really don't catch very many people listening to the radio these days. Um, Given the advent of podcasts and things, I suppose they're more convenient. But there are still dozens of radio stations in almost any town. Um, a little transistor FM radio is an inexpensive way to enjoy yourself. Uh, my favorite things with my son is on Saturday mornings, we go out in the backyard and I take my tiny transistor radio that I've had for years out there. And um, he'll tune around on it while I drink a cup of coffee and read a book. And he just kind of surfs the radio waves. And when he finds something he likes, he places it on the table and goes and runs around the backyard and has a good time. Um, it's a good way to convey information. Um, and it's, it's still a little bit unplugged. And it's free, uh, with the exception of the purchase of the hardware. Um, beyond that, shortwave radio is a good time. You can purchase very small, you know, shortwave radio as a hobby is not something that you have to uh, go off the deep end with. I used to be an amateur radio operator and I used to have quite a bit of equipment for shortwave. Um, but these days I just have a small uh, radio shack, shortwave radio, I've gotten rid of most of my radio gear, and a long wire antenna. And I can pick up broadcasts from all over the world. 
as public services. I can listen to news from all over the world. I can listen to interesting radio shows, interesting music. Um, the fidelity, you know, is not quite that of internet radio, but it, there's something curious and wonderful about picking up radio transmissions from thousands of miles away as opposed to simply pulling up a web browser and listening to them online. Beyond that, uh, visit your public library. Um, a lot of folks read, a lot of folks spend a lot of time in Barnes and & Noble and, uh, and uh, other bookstores. A lot of folks spend a lot of time on Amazon. Um, in larger cities, libraries are really stepping it up. Uh, the library in, my in a neighboring city to mine where I work will now let you uh, check out ebooks, which is very wonderful. They will let you um, check out music electronically uh, through various services, and they have piles and piles of books and movies. And there's always entertainment things happening at the library that are little to no cost. Um, my local library and the neighboring library will often play movies or have plays or have events for children. Uh, my son loves going to the library and participating in their events. Um, so, yeah, please support your local libraries. It's one thing to amass a book collection for collecting, but what good are the books if you're not sharing them? And one place where books are shared quite frequently, of course, is our libraries. Get out and read more. Uh, and one last thing is public parks. I feel like not enough people spend time in the public parks and that's one thing that my family really likes to do is just visit public parks it's a place where you can be out and free and roam around play sets are a little different we've got a large backyard but my son still likes going to the park to see all the other kids and interact with with people and um roam around look at streams and and uh most cities will have this and and if you're in a rural area you're at a better advantage uh you have the whole world around you as a public service so anyway uh i believe i'll wrap it up there this was another long and rambling podcast of mine uh but inspiration sort of struck i hope that um hope that some of these things will if you decide to take them up, save you money and, and be enjoyable. And I hope you see the cathartic nature of, of some manual processes and, and see that you can have a great time with public services and uh, not worry too much about um, spending a bunch of money where it doesn't need to be spent. So once again, HPR, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you'd like to talk about any of this, you can contact me at cmhobbs at acm.org. And please uh, record a podcast for HPR. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike, 3.0 license.